Welcome to The Love Show. I'm Patrick Hollick. On this episode, I speak with Estevan Oriol about his new documentary uh, called L.A. Originals, which premieres this Friday night, April 10th, on Netflix. This film was set to open the South by Southwest Film Festival, but as we all know, the world has changed. Um, it was a little sad because I know he spent, I think, over 25 years putting this together. He's the writer, producer, director, and star. He's in it, um, as well as Mr. Cartoon and countless other name drops. There's so many people in this documentary from Beyonce to Snoop Dogg to Eminem, on and on and on. Um, I'm excited for him because I've been watching this process with him for a long, long time. I've seen a cut of it, but I don't think I've seen this edit, so I'm excited too to watch it Friday night. So without further intro and time waste, let's speak to Estevan Oriol about the process of making this film and his crazy career in film and photography. This guy's done it all. And he actually was one of the, um, the people that got me to shoot uh, still photography. I used to follow him around and shoot behind his shoulder until I finally figured out what I wanted to do with photography. Um, he's a big inspiration to me. Always is. Hardest worker in the world. Taught me how to uh, write down everything I was going to do in that day on a memo stick em, and then cross them out and feel the success of crossing each one of them out. Before that, I was very unorganized. But the memo stick em, so I took from Esteban Orio, the keeping account of the day. All right, thanks for listening, and let's get into this. Next episode, hold up, wait. How about you, that? Is that better lighting? That's much better. Are you wearing one of your own photographs on your sweatshirt? Fuck yeah. What's I that one you. called? This one's called LA Fingers or LA Hands, whatever uh, floats your boat. Isn't that the, uh, the poster for the film that's coming out this Friday night? No, they didn't want to use it uh, because they thought that um, nobody would get it. Really? Yeah, they're like, nobody that doesn't live in L.A. or has uh, is in a gang member knows what, what this means. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. The mayor, uh, Garcetti, he does it. Every sports player in L.A. does it. Uh, the Kings, the soccer team, the, the Dodgers, the cops do it. And they sell it uh, like big fashion brands like uh, Versace, H&M, Brandy Melville, all of them have copied it. So I'm, And they sell worldwide. So I don't know how nobody's going to know. But okay. So that's interesting. And that's like your most successful photograph. Like it's the most renowned, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the worldwide photograph of yours. Yeah. It's like my stolen ice cube photograph. <laughs> no, it's bigger. It's much bigger, but I have, you know, I have my small life to compare, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I have to compare. Um, is that a pool? Is that part of your, tell me about your morning ritual. My morning ritual is I go right, right, uh, okay. Fuck, I can't even see it. I go right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. And that's my sauna mm -hmm. when i got my first record deal i was advised to not go out and buy chains and uh bottles of of uh, champagne in the club to go buy a sauna and that's what i did i went so, and bought a sauna for 4500 
set that up in the backyard. I go in there 20 minutes, then go in the cold plunge for three, then go back in 20, cold plunge three, back in 20, cold plunge three. three How sessions. often are you doing this? Every single morning. I warm it up at 7.30 and I'm in there by 8, 8.15. And if some of my homies come over, we all go in together and call it sauna boys. If not, it's just me and I call it sauna boy. How are you enjoying how are you enjoying the social distancing? Um wait, better question. What's it like to do social dis distancing and be releasing the biggest film of your life at the same time? What's that like? Uh, well, my big break in Hollywood kind of got broke because we were set up to do uh South by Southwest festival and I was a headliner. They were gonna play my film two times. Uh, two different days which they weren't doing with nobody else I was going to go through the whole film circuit you know everybody's going to see it at the festival and that's where you get recognition as a director in your own community like your own peers this way it being released on just Netflix everybody gets to see it because they're stuck at home which is great but I'm not getting that that film festival thing behind it, you know? So, I mean, I kind of, uh, I lost on that part, but then I won, you know, by because everybody's going to be at home and they've already watched every single thing on Netflix, so they're just waiting for something new. Everybody got to see uh, Tiger King. Yeah. And I know that if you were to tell everybody that watches Netflix – Hey, uh, watch this uh, this documentary. It's about a um, a gay tiger trainer that has a bunch of boyfriends that are meth addicts. I bet they would probably be like, "Oh no, I'm cool." You know, I don't really need to watch that. <laughs> but because it got such a you know big hype behind it, everybody you know is just losing their minds over it. Watch like binge watching the whole thing. Let me hear about LA Originals. Who's in this film? In this film, there is a, there's a couple of people. There's Cartoon, there's me, and then everybody that I filmed over the past 25 years that we could fit into 90 minutes. And that basically is, uh, we'll start off with uh, Eminem, uh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, uh, George Lopez, Wilder, Wilmer Valderrama, uh, Clifton Collins, Michelle Rodriguez. And um, I mean, like everybody I've taken pictures of, the, the list is huge. I got like the longest list of thank yous that I've ever had to, is probably, the, that's probably the most I've ever written on anything, even book reports in school or whatever. Do you have an airplane flying over? Yeah, that's about a, I'd say, let me see. That's a, that one's about 2,000 feet out. Wow. And, where's he landing or is he, where's he coming from? Uh, he's probably going to, he's coming from the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. He's probably going to land over here at uh, Van Nuys Airport. <laughs> he's got a, some more coronavirus to drop in the sky for all of us. That's why they're telling us to stay inside. So you can drop. Anybody that's outside, 
they get the drop. Have you rocked the mask yet? Or are you not oh, rocking masks? Fuck yeah, I rock that shit hard. You do? There's nobody that can fuck with my mask game. Somebody you asked make- me, somebody said, hey, could I do a portrait of you in front of your house with a mask? I said, no. They said, then will you do it with a cigarette? I go, at 100, as the kids say, 100. Yeah, yeah. I'll do it, whatever. You know, I'll even hold the mask over my gen- genitals and just be hey. naked under there, so you know? Tell me, you're the writer, producer, director. How did, what, what are your credits on this film? Uh, my credits are executive producer, producer, director, uh, filmer, photographer, craft service, location scout. Um, star. Star, yeah. I you know what this reminds me of? A good friend of ours. Yeah, Vince Gallo. Yeah. Did you but write your only... name on all the credits or no? No, no, no. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> I just had a, uh, I didn't want to put my name like 55 times on the on the credits, so I just put it once. And um, the only thing I couldn't do was the music. Mm. And that's because uh, the music and translating. Um, Who did the music on this one? The music uh, was a music supervisor named Bud Carr. He got together all the uh, groups, and we got a um, we got a a soundtrack deal on it all. So it, it's going to be uh, pretty cool. I can try to find uh, what groups we got in there. Has the uh, look at your multitasking? Are you doing a, a, an interview for like Rolling Stone right now or no? No, I'm trying to find uh, what all the songs that we have on the thing with ah. all the groups because I know it's, I know for a fact we have Cypress Hill, Baldacci, Mob Deep, um, Eric B and Rakim. Did you get any oldies like Ralphie Pagan or anyone? Mm. Yeah. You did? Yeah. Good. You know, we had to throw that in there. Everything that we listened to, like the oldies and the and hip-hop. Right. But most of the oldies is from, um, I mean, most of the hip-hop is 90s stuff. Not too much of the, the what do they call it? Um, mumble, mumble trap or whatever. Mumble trap rap. You feel me? I do. What are the uh, questions that haven't been being asked about the film? You've done probably, how many interviews have you done in the last four days? Uh, probably about six. They mm. all start off with, um, how did you get into photography? Mm. Um, how did you meet cartoon? Where did you meet cartoon? How did you learn photography? That's like the first four questions of every interview. We'll let our guests tune in to the other podcast for those things. What are questions that you wish were asked about the film? Um, man, like, I don't even know. I was hoping you would, you would ask those because you're the smart guy that asks all the questions. And I've seen all your podcasts. I'm like, that's a great question he's asking. And then, you know, I was like, thinking about it when we talked earlier, I was going to ask you like, hey, what kind of things are you going to ask me so I could like kind of have some uh, answers like, you know, just like the basic outline. Yeah. And then I just freestyle it once we're in here. Mm-hmm. But that's cheating, though. I always I think that that's, to ask you. that's like Mark Marin or uh, Trevor Noah. 
They'll do yeah. that. They're going to do that. I don't know either of those names. They're going to field the questions over. How many years? Um, how many years have you been working on this documentary? This documentary? Mm, I would say there's footage from 1994 in here. So from then on. And how do you go from us with like these little streaming services and DYI on YouTube and hope for the best and then brush into a Netflix deal? How does that happen? Well, you know, um, I'm an overnight success. It only took uh, 25 years to get there. Right. So I just, um, I basically called up Netflix and I told them, hey, I'm a Stevan Oriel. I have uh, all this footage and these photos and they're like, great, come in and sign the deal and, you know, we'll get you on Netflix in no time and, and everything will be perfect. And then I woke up and I was like, wow, that was a crazy dream. And then I met a, and my friend Marco, who's also one of the producers on the movie, he had a friend named Emiliano that we were working with. And Emiliano wanted to work with uh, Sebastian Ortega that has a production company in Argentina. And Sebastian Ortega is going, cool, when I come to LA, can you introduce me to Esteban Orio and Cartoon? And he goes, as a matter of fact, I can. I know them. So Emiliano and Marco hooked up me and Sebastian, and we connected real good because he's the only guy that has a lowrider in Argentina. And he's all tatted up, and but he's a big uh, film exec down in... Uh, in Argentina now he sold his company to NBC Universal and he's got his office and crew up in Miami so now he's up here in the States and he when we met he told me whatever happened to that documentary Inc that you were doing in the early 2000s and I told him uh, I just got it back actually from Brian Grazer and uh, Brian Grazer and them an image because in the in the early 2000s I signed a deal with Brian Grazer it was a three movie deal and we were gonna do a film about cartoon a feature and I what I did I showed him the the documentary and he told me let's not do the documentary let's do a feature film. And I was like, okay, cool. So the documentary went on the shelf until the film came out and then we got the rights back. And the film came out and it was called Low Riders. We're, me and Cartoon were the executive producers and uh, consultants on, you know, the making it looking authentic LA low riding. And then uh, once that movie came out in 2017, we got the rights back. And I hooked up with Sebastian, and he was like, hey, can we do this documentary? And that was it. We, we just went. I took all the footage down to Argentina, and he hooked it up with his editing crew that he has down there already in place and got our producer, Brian Maya, to uh, come in on it. And we've been going ever since. And here and, we are. 
And uh, what's going to be on the poster now that the LA Fingers are not going to be on the poster? Um, it's uh, the LA, the, the LA and the originals is uh, original font from cartoon. And the back, the background is uh, a photo of downtown LA that's on the cover of my This is Los Angeles book. It's like a rainy, gloomy day of downtown Los Angeles. Like and today. Then under, yeah, just like today. And then underneath at the bottom is like, um, like film strips, but in each frame, there's different photos of mine that I've shot throughout the years. Do you have the other one on your phone? Which one? The one that I like, the LA Fingers one that's on Instagram right now. Uh, I want to see it. That's on Instagram? Yeah. I re-tagged it a couple times. It's pretty good. It's blue. I wore a blue shirt just to honor the film today. I don't know if you noticed. I normally have my green shirt on. This is like yeah. as close as I got to the Dodger blue. This is the... This is the one that they're that they're going with. Yeah, it's perfect. The, you see the LA originals cartoon has, and there's the city. Yeah, and there's all the photos of mine. And which one were you talking about? I think that might be the one. I guess did I did you not do one with the fingers? Nothing with the fingers as a marketing. Um, well, the original had the fingers in it, and then like I said, they said that nobody would get it, so. We didn't. Uh, we didn't use it. What time is it coming on Friday night? It's coming on Friday night at twelve oh one a.m. Why so late? Because everyone's awake. No, at twelve. Oh, in the afternoon. A.m. Thursday night. At twelve a.m. Thursday night, it turns into Friday. Okay. So that's when it goes live because. You know, all the, it's going worldwide on Friday. So wherever, wherever it turns twelve o'clock at night, yeah, Friday morning in your country, that's what when it's going to be on. What so, time? Uh, what time will it be in LA? Twelve oh one a.m. on Friday morning. Okay, for everyone on Thursday. Yeah, eleven fifty nine. You hit twelve, right then on the Friday. I like when you explain these things to me. Yeah. And that's how the clock works. Uh-huh. Did the uh did the famous cookie story make any part of the documentary? No. Why not? The, uh, that one ended up on the um the the director's cut, the long version, the long mm -hmm. form. Um because it was twenty-five years of footage and photos and all that shit, we had enough photos to do like a defiant ones like instead of four hours we could probably could have made it like 10 hours but um we went with the you know cut it all into one and a half hour of the of the hits so that one's going to come out on the special limited edition vhs uh -huh. set no vhs ten, yeah really and yeah it's 10 vhs's and the famous story with you is on i think number eight okay do you have my apartment burning down or no yeah we got that in there that okay. was good and we have all my audio when i was calling you because for those that don't know uh patrick 
and me, we have like a special friendship. Like we fuck around a lot and uh, talk shit and, you know, we have fun. That's right. Uh, most people say, ah, you know, you act like little kids, you know, or something like that. But for me, I don't like, I don't want to grow up and be all serious and be, you know, all stressed out like people that are so-called grown up, you know? They say stress isn't good in these times. Yeah, I like to play and have fun and, you know, just like a big kid. But so one day I was watching the news downtown in my studio and it comes on like breaking news. There's a fire in Hollywood. And I, and they're, they're like in this apartment building on fire. And I look at the apartment building and it was my old apartment building where Patrick moved in. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? And then as I look closer, I'm looking in the TV screen, I'm like, oh shit, that's Patrick's apartment. So right away I get on the phone, I call you and I go, hey, where you at? And you go, I'm at dinner. I'll call you later. I go, nah, um, meet me at your house. And you go, why? I'm at dinner. And I go, because uh, your house is on fire. Your apartment's on fire. And it'd be cool if you, you know, went over there and checked it out. I'm on my way. I'll be there in 10 minutes. And you thought I was fucking around. You're like, come on, man. Not right now. Hey, come on. Hey, come on. And I go, okay, well, if you don't believe me, turn on the news. But I'm going to be there in 10 minutes. Film me taking pictures and sure enough you were there i was there i had my camera and of course i was filming and you said hey come on not right now not right now and it was a uh, it was a crazy time all your negatives and all your clothes burn my cash i only i didn't have a bank i kept cash in your hats those green hats burn yep i think you had set seven yeah seven pairs of green pants seven white t-shirts and i don't know how many hats was it one or seven i don't know a lot and then the the shoes and they all burned just you just had what you had wearing that day do you remember what the firemen had what do you mean what, what they had in their mouth no when they were throwing all the shit, which was my whole apartment from the third yeah, floor the to window. the street, yeah, they, they were smoking Cuban cigars. <laughs> How can you forget that? Yeah, because I so can't much. forget that. <laughs> Wait, back to the documentary that's coming out this Friday night. Um, is yeah. there a book coming out with it uh, in the future? Maybe. Uh, we I put out one that if you look at the book, it's kind of like the the synopsis screenplay or storyboard of of the documentary it's called this los angeles and it's everything that i've shot in la for the past 25 years the celebrities the musicians the gangsters low riding the women it's pretty much everything that's in the movie but my where do i where do i get it on my website estevanorio.com for the people that it's hard for them to find me we couldn't hear you because you did a wipe that was like death oh yeah Okay, it's very hard to find me on any internet, my email or whatever. It's Esteban Oriel, mm-hmm. which is my name. And then uh, you put .com after that, like www, then my name, then .com. And then it'll say shop. 
and in the shop there's the books got it so, how many is there books yeah i got about a thousand left no how many books have you done oh this is my third book that i have completed but i have uh like three or four more in the in the works okay my next one's on low writing it's called um I don't know what it's called yet, but it's 25 years of low writing all around the world. And it's, I've been to like, you know, seven to 10 countries shooting low riders, LA in the nineties up till now. My would you family, shout out a car club or any particular car club or? I would shout them all out, you know, shout out to all the low rider clubs all around the world for keeping the, the movement going <laughs> and making it worldwide. And shout out to my car club, Pegasus LA. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a great ride, as they would say. What cars do you have in, in Pegasus right now? How many cars do you, do you have? I only have one car that's in Pegasus, and that's Blue Velvet. It's a 64 Impala that I've had since 1989. And I started building it in like 91, 92, and it got finished in 94. And that's when I joined uh, the, my first car club. <clears throat> but then I have a 47 Chevy Fleetline and a 61 Impala that I'm working on and a 76 Monte Carlo that I'm working on. But thanks to the coronavirus, everything got put on hold. My work and, uh, you know, everything closed down, even the, the guys that work at the car shops. Right. No one's doing anything. No one's doing shit. I think that you're going to have a really good response. I feel like this is going to be even more digestible for a lot more people than even the Tiger King because it, it hits every... I mean, the, I saw a rough cut. How far ago did I see an edit? About six, three months ago. Yeah, about three months, six months. Has it changed a lot? Yeah. I mean, okay. not a lot, but it's changed. And uh, then... Uh, you know, uh, the only part about it is like, like my producer was like, hey, man, are you ready? This is going to be great. And I go, yeah, I'm let, you know, as soon as it hits, start setting up the meetings. And he was like, well, uh, we can't, we can't set up any meetings. How are we going to set up meetings? Like, who, nobody's around. I go, oh, yeah, right. You're right. And I go, well, you know, then let's just start on the next, the next project. Let's start, let's go into production on the next projects and he goes we can't go into projects you know there's nobody nobody's open nobody's doing anything and i was like oh okay well all right cool yeah there it is there so i'm kind of stuck yeah stuck like chuck you know but you're working uh on two new documentaries or is it one new documentary no i got two new ones coming out one uh on my boy lefke and my other homie baldacci Mm -hmm. They're just like little short docs just to keep uh, keep me active and keep me moving until, uh, you know, something bigger comes along. But I like to stay busy. You know, I got the those books coming out and I got these two docs I'm doing. And um, they're about, you know, guys from the streets that, you know, turn their life around. They're doing good now with, you know, one guy, he's a, a music artist. So he he raps. That's Baldacci. And then Lepke is a, a recovered um, drug addict that he helps other uh, 
you know, people recovering from drugs get their life back on track because he was one of the ones that was down in the dumps in uh, Skid Row for so many years. And he did about 20 years on and off and on in Skid Row and 20 years off and on in prison. He'd go prison, Skid Row, prison, Skid Row, prison, Skid Row for the whole time I've known him. So now he's finally running a recovery home. He has 17 guys there. They're all social distancing in the house. No, I'm just kidding. Um, they're all right there in the pad, just kicking it. And uh, he's helps them get their shit together. You know, if they want to go back to school, he shows them how to do that. If they need uh, special assistance, you know, with uh, programs like getting money or food stamps or whatever till they get back on their feet. Or if they need, you know, help trying to find work. You know, most of some of these guys are fresh out of prison or fresh out of a rehab. So, you know, they're basically coming back in the world brand new. So he'd been helping them do all that. So which one do you feel like is coming first? It feels like the Lepke one is coming together first and faster. Uh, both of them are pretty much all the way shot. I'm just getting into the editing and that kind of thing right now. Where are you going to watch uh, the big premiere on uh, Thursday, Friday night? Right, right there. In the house? Yeah. Are you going to have a social distance party or anything? No. Is Netflix going to all zoom into boxes and watch it together or anything? They might. I'm not, I haven't heard nothing about that. Some futurist shit. I went to a birthday yesterday on Zoom with everyone in a little box. How was that? It was good. It was a friend of ours that passed away, but we had planned to have a dinner for him, and uh, we decided to do the Zoom until we can meet up. Oh, that's cool. It's crazy, this new world. Yeah. You don't have the poster in the background. I have a friend that uh, in my AA meetings, he doesn't share much. He just has the poster of his film in his box. And when he's called on to share, he goes, watch the movie. The movie's coming out. This is coming out. And he does that. And then he leaves and all the old timers and they go like that when he's doing it. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to share like something. He's just like, yeah, my movie's coming out. It's on all, all devices. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time you're looking at his poster. Oh, he has the background as the. Yeah. As his poster. Like all this yeah. shit. He and he's a- not even in the shot. It's just the poster in the box. Yeah. You just hear his voice. You got to talk to him about marketing, man. You're not doing enough here. Yeah, no, I'm just on Instagram <clears throat> all day promoting this shit, you know? Yeah. So um, tell me what else is coming out, like wrapping it up. What's What are you excited for? To get the world back? When do you think we'll be back? I'm excited to go back and, and make money because... That's been my thing since I was a youngster is always getting out there and getting my grind on. And this stay-at-home bullshit got me fucked up. Yeah. Uh, I can't be out there working and making my money. So I had a bunch of good jobs lined up that all got canceled. And, like, the week that this shit happened was I was going to start doing them. So I had, like, I was already ready to start spending the money pretty much. But right. they put us on, hey. They put us on lockdown and uh, see this guy's getting crazy here. He wants to fucking look it right here. Look. He wants to do it. Yeah, he's trying to take his fucking blankets out of his cage and run around with it. And I'm like, 
No, you're not doing that in the rain, fucker. Get out of here. Go. He's a little rescue I got. They were going to put him. He was on death row. They, they were going to kill him in two days. And I was walking through the pit bull. It's kind of like a, like a county jail for pit bulls. Mm-hmm. They have their own wing at the, at the dog pound. And I walk in there, I go, I want to go see the pit bulls. And they were just, all of them were going fucking crazy, like aggressive and attacking the fences and shit. And I walk up to this guy and he was real mellow. He was just sitting there looking at me. And then the next day I was going to Jamaica with, uh, with Rohan Marley. I was going to go with the Marley family. So I walk up to this guy, he's just sitting there and I put my hand up to the cage. I, you know, put my knuckles on the fence and he started licking my, my knuckles. And I was like, Oh, this dog's pretty mellow. And then I was like, let me put my finger in there a little bit, like just there. So if he would have bit, it would have hit the, uh, the, just the fingernail, you know? Yeah. And he licked it. I was like, Oh, I'm going to take this fucker out. So I told the guy, Hey, can I check out this dog? And he was so cool. He's mellow. And that day I took him home and I named him Marley because I was going to, he was kind of like, it was kind of like he was stone, you know, like he was all like, yeah, man, just chilling in the thing and all the other dogs are going crazy and he's yeah. just kicking it there. So I was like, man, let me take this dude out of here. Didn't you train dogs back in the day on one of the odd jobs you had? Yep. When I was you like uh, 18 years old, I used to do uh it was called agitating and it was the person that wears the suit or the sleeve and the trainer would sick the dog on you. And that was my job. I was the guy that would get the dog sicked on him. And I only got bit for real one time by this all black uh, German shepherd. I was running cause he told me, Hey, run like 50 feet. I'm gonna have the dog chase you. But when I, when I yell your name, turn around so that, you know, the dog hits your arm first. And I was like, okay. So I run out there and he goes, here he comes. And he lets him off and I turn around and I'm like going backwards. And there was like a little gopher hole or some shit in the grass. And I fell back and he grabbed me right in the inner thigh, almost by my, my Johnson right there and locked onto my inner thigh. And I was like, man, but luckily that, that dog was really well trained and he called him off like that. He's like in Germany, he's like, ouch. And the dog just went, whoop. Just like what back. were they? Canines? Were they going to be police yeah, dogs? Yeah, they were going to be like uh, they were either going to be cop dogs or drug dealer dogs. Okay. Like either the cops would use them in the force, or the drug dealers would use them at their house, or like wow. rich people or whatever. But it was pretty fun. I worked with like pit bulls, Dobermans, German Shepherds, and Rottweilers. I used to love when we go over someone's house and you would know how to agitate the little rat dog. Someone would have like a Pomeranian and you would start doing your little thing without them seeing and the dog would just start bugging out and the the people at the house would be like, he never acts like this. What's going on? They'd be all torn up, but you keep doing it when they weren't looking. And the dog would be going crazy. And they're like, I don't know what's wrong. We might have to get rid of him. You just bug him out. I remember that all the time. Yeah, it was e- it's easy because mostly the dogs are scared. Mm-hmm. So if like you show them that you're scared, that's when they, like they start like you you go like that and you scare them and then you back up and then they start barking and they see that their bark is backing you up. So then you keep backing up, and so they think like, oh okay, I got this guy, you know, like 
I'm just going to keep barking and he's going to get more scared and he'll keep backing the fuck up. So like they feel like confident and then you go at him again and then they, they back up and they get scared and you just fuck with them. You're giving them like false confidence and they take it and run. It's kind of like society. You give them a little and they go crazy. And then you, uh, you, you get it to the point where you seem so scared that they, you know, have to give you a little bite to, to, to make sure that you know that they're, they're the dominant one. And that, that's what it was all about. And then after you, they bite onto the sleeve, you, you let it pull off of your arm and then they get to keep that as a reward, the sleeve. And then, you know, they get rewarded for doing that little action. And that's how you train them to bite. But, um, he had to tell me ways to, like, if the dog does bite you, you know, like one way, if you're in the street and a dog comes to attack you and hopefully you get a boy, you can kick him in the nuts or you, you know, punch him in the face, just like a person. And it, you know, it hurts them just as much as it hurt a person. So if you ever get attacked by a dog, you know, fight like like if it's your enemy in the street good tip that's what you do so congratulations screaming the the worst is going to be for you of course and that's mostly everyone's reaction so congratulations i've been waiting for this for many years i'm really happy and i'm excited to see i'm going to sit and watch it at the time everybody else is i'm going to watch this right when it hits okay Um, is there anything i didn't ask about it anything you want to tell anyone um well you were there a lot of it what, what yeah. do you think? i mean you i mean it's it, uh, uh it's it's you saw the raw footage live what do you think let's hear what it's some of the funnest times i've ever had in my life like uh what people don't know about our relationship is when i came out of rehab and i was busted and i had nothing and i was uh pretty much homeless uh you gave me my first job and and part of that first job was getting to see this new life that I thought I had an exciting life and I thought I knew everything and did everything. And at that point, my life started again, right when I got clean, because I was pervy to seeing all of the explosion of your clothing brand, your transformation into, you know, the street culture. And all of a sudden, Cypress Hill, it was just like a uh, an inferno. And it just started just it's like pouring gas on a fire it it was so explosive and so fast some of my best stories in my life are these days so it's yeah it's extra fun for me to watch because it's like i get to watch my past and um exactly. i think you know i remember all the um all the anytime i brought anyone around they would get stuck in it because i got stuck in it it's just like it was an addictive lifestyle it was another form of an addiction because it was just so fun a big part of my sex life a big part of my yeah uh, learning how to shoot yeah there was a lot of that and there was like uh the photography and the film and and you always inspired me to shoot which was something like i didn't pick up i used to do these big crew music videos and i had to start over and i started over with one camera and I did my intro about it, where I was just kind of shooting over your shoulder till I figured out who I was, you know? Yeah. But you taught me like the hustle of, uh, you know, uh, multiple things. You do, you do art, you do merchandise and shirts, you do filmmaking, you do stills. You never have been a one trip, run, one trick uh, act. You Only, know? yeah. Yeah, 
it's and that's changed my life because people are like how come you do how do you do this do this do this do this it's because it's just basic survival for one and yeah. when one's not working the other one is and uh you know i always thank you for moving. my hustle yeah my hustle was non-hustle mine was the man and waiting for this and if i only did this and you showed me if you pull a camera out of a dirty box and you load it the world can change and that's yeah. something i've always thanked you for and this film is just kind of even though you're going to see a trillion things yeah. i wouldn't even say this is two percent of your hundred in life you know oh, i'm yeah. looking forward sure. to the next 10. i'm looking forward to tomorrow but I think people are going to be really excited to see what I got to see firsthand, which is a blessing. Yeah. And for, for our uh, viewers, how did we meet and when did we meet? I think we met uh, in New York City when you were babysitting House of Pain. Right. They call it road it managing. Boom? Yeah. Was it the Boom Shalak Lak Boom video? or No. It was before that. I want to say there was something before that, or it was early Cyprus. Because uh, I was in Kill a Man and Hand on a Pump. I want to think that you came uh, at least jump around, because I was on jump around. I was like a second AD. Yeah. The kid fired a gun into the air inside of a bar. Yeah, yeah. It was just down. I forgot yeah, the kid with dreads. They were, they were a band, and one of them had like dreads. And we're like, yeah. what are you doing? He's like, I was excited. I'm like, you don't fire a shot. It was like a six-story building, so it probably went through three apartments, you know? Yeah, yeah. You just fired that up. Um, but I think it was the Cypress or how, uh, Jump Around. But it wasn't as late as uh, Shamrock. Shamrocks is when I had known you for a while, and it was old hat that you guys were coming to town again to do something yeah. again, you know? Yeah, so that was like 92, huh? Yeah, Frank Sacramento did uh, the one you're talking about, and that was long past knowing you. Yep. That was the kind of the fade down. It wasn't the fade up. I was around for a fade up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I played a dude that got shot in, uh, in To Kill a Man, and I got like yeah. 200 Puerto Rican girlfriends from being in a, a 10 frames of Kill a Man. I had yeah. like a whole new sex life in New York City. They're like, yo, that's that guy. I was like, yo, what's your number? I was like thankful every day for Shady. David Perez, shout out, gave me my role. And he used a, uh, he used his flash as a gun. He had a guy carrying his like Nikon flash and he went yep. up on me and he pushed the flash and went pop. It was like ghetto cinema. You know, he was the real Scorsese for 10 cents. Half of that video shot in his, uh, his tragic 10 by 10 inch bathroom with like the light cord coming down where they're doing their performance. You know, oh, the yeah. shots is in his bathroom, which is four feet, you know, good old days. We yeah. used to, those are the days when we used to write on a, with a cue card, there'd be some PA had to write down a permit and he would write it on a white bounce board and we'd go to 42nd street, we'd shoot some big shit and then we'd pan to him holding it as if that was enough to sign. That's like, okay, we got the world because we showed our card and that's how it used to work. That was the permit for a thousand people. Yeah, that's, yeah, the old days are good at that. Yeah, it was easy. It was easy. Yep. That's All right, cool. Friday night, this Friday night, taking over Netflix. I know it's not South by Southwest, which I'm sorry happened. That happened to David Arquette, too. He was supposed to have a nice chunk in there for You Can't Kill Dave Arquette. 
And Ooh, um, you guys were going to be two of the homies just throwing the big films at South by, but the yeah. world has changed and will sure adapt. Is. And you'll probably have the biggest captive audience Netflix has had because everyone's home watching it, asking me, what do you watch? What are we going to watch? You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to watch this. That's what, yeah. That's what I'm hoping for. All right. What's next today? How many things you got? Uh, I got some more interviews and then uh, tomorrow is more and then Friday is, is some more and that'll be, that'll be it till the movie's on. All right, I'm going to go edit this and make it the better one than all those huge guys with their huge yeah, stuff. Can you? Yep, I'm going to get on it right put now. Patrick Hollick twist on it? I'm going to put a flip flop. Make that shit hot. All right, I'll talk to you later. Good luck today with all your interviews. Hell yeah, thank you, brother. What's the film called? LA Originals. Okay, and where is it showing? On motherfucking Netflix. Yes. All right. All right, homie, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I finally got on the podcast. That's right. It took the end of the world. It took the end of the world, but we did it. Yeah, coronavirus. Thank you, coronavirus. I got on Patrick Hollick's We'll podcast. do part two in HD in person. Okay. I'll touch your shoulder and your rails and everything. Okay, perfect. All right, later. All right, bye. That brings us to the end. I'd like to thank Esteban Oyo for the time. I know he's doing too many interviews at this point, and I appreciate that he took the time to come on the show. Um, if you'd like to support us, we are on Patreon and everywhere else podcasts are played. Uh, I'd like to list a few people because they've been long-term supporters. I'd like to thank uh, Carissa Baker, Eileen, Daniel France, Teresa Ruiz, Cassius Getty, Barbara Patrick, Sarah Pine. Without you, especially in this COVID-19, there wouldn't be a podcast. So your support means everything. And um, I appreciate everyone listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Throw us some notes on something you'd like to see on the podcast and we'll try to get to it. Um, again, thank you and wash your hands a million times. And keep your countertops clean and we will get through this. Thank you. <laughs>